show number 149 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Here's a weird way to start off a new podcast. Okay. By, by talking about the five worst Star Trek episodes of all time. Okay. So that's starting now, on a positive note, the five worst. The yeah, five we can worst only best. go up from there. <laughs> who, by, who is the judgment on this? Who made these judgments, and, and how did you come across this? Okay. I, this was, um, I forget, it was linked somewhere, and, or maybe our man in New Zealand sent it to me. I'm not sure. Okay. But it was, it was um, published at Tech Republic. So it's, it's at a real, like, IT site. Oh, <laughs> well. Um, it's written by a guy named Jay Garman, and I don't know who he is, but it's okay. part of their geek blog. So I just thought it would be fun to go through this very quickly, see if we agree with what they say. And um, it's ranked from number five to number one, number one being the worst one. And, and since I have it in front of me and you, uh, you don't, maybe you can guess. <laughs> okay. Before I, I say them. So we're going from fifth worst to yes. absolute worst? Yes. Fifth worst. Well, in no particular order, I'm going to guess that that black and white alien is on that list. Okay. Let that be your last battlefield? Mm-hmm. Is it's, it? No. <gasps> there are, oh my God, that's not one of the five worst. Well, obviously the damn space hippies. Uh-huh, of course. Obviously Spock's brain. Yes. Um, One of them we watched not that long ago. And and we were bored to death? Uh, we thought it was a terrible episode, yes. Okay. Oh, jeez. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other really bad episodes. Uh, well, I could give you a big hint. Okay. It has children in it. Oh, let the children lead? <laughs> yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. That's bad. That's yeah. bad. That's um, bad in a million ways. And then of the other two, I agree with one and not the other. Okay. So um, let me read you the little introduction because I think okay. this was good. Star Trek is arguably the greatest and indisputably the most influential science fiction television series in history. Yep. That's great. I, as an opening sentence, like that hooked me right there. Yeah, and it's positive. And it's positive and it's true. Uh, and then he says, that doesn't mean it's flawless. More than a few of Kirk and Spock's original voyages were less than stellar. We round out the bottom five for your reading pleasure. <laughs> okay. All right. So number five, Turnabout Intruder. See, I totally disagree with that. No, that is not one of the worst. It has some bad stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But it's so, definitely not like through and through bad like no, the others we were talking about. Totally not. So here's what he has to say. This episode was the last, and by some measures, the least of the original series. It also has the distinction of being perhaps the most sexist Star Trek episode ever made. Uh, I disagree with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, despite the series' relatively progressive reputation, is still quite a feat. The plot involves yet another ex-girlfriend of Captain Kirk. Okay, we'll give him that. Uh, Dr. Janice Lester, who believes she has been denied command of a starship because she's a woman. And not because she's a narcissistic sociopath. (laughs) Her solution is to murder her research team, lure the Enterprise to investigate in said murders, and then switch bodies with Kirk to take over his ship, all the while embodying the worst stereotypes of hysterical womanhood the 1960s could muster. So, well, you know, with those, if all you don't do is list those things, Mm -hmm. yes, 
it's it's bad. But it's it's not. I mean, that's just some of the episode, and there's so much more to it. And plus, the acting is really, really, really good. <laughs> yeah, and there's I I don't know. There are some great scenes in that. I mean, um, I love the scene of uh, McCoy and Scotty out in the hall. Mm-hmm. That's you know, really discussing good. the the trial. Yeah, and, and uh, also the fact that when Kirk is in Lester's body, when she has the, those moments with Spock, where he becomes convinced that it's really Kirk, that's that's really good. Yes, yes, and she's actually that woman is actually very good. Yeah, so I totally disagree with that, and and I think that kind of uh, judgment on that particular episode might be from someone who only saw it once who hasn't mm. really watched it closely enough yes That's well it's one of those things like um me tv now is showing reruns of dick van dyke and mm. every now and then i catch one and i love those and they're very sexist oh, yes. but you just have to look at it in context mm-hmm. You know, and enjoy the humor that's there and the acting, which is very, very good. Mm -hmm. And just kind of get over yourself. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm sure when that aired, it probably did offend some women who are a little more aware than I certainly was at that young age of whatever I was. You know, of really a woman can't be a starship commander just because she's a woman, you know. But, um, you know, you got to look at it within the context. And and you can't dismiss it just because you disagree with many of the premises of that particular time period. That, Mm -hmm. you know, history's history, folks. Yeah. That, yes, absolutely. And and that is, the interesting thing about it, I think, was that it was very much a product of that time, Mm -hmm. but they tried really creatively to get around it. And it would have been a very different episode if... Janice Lester hadn't been a narcissistic sociopath, right? Right. Because then all of your sympathies would have been with her and thinking, mm-hmm. oh, my God, Starfleet is so unfair because they won't do it. But right. it's it's really clear that she could never get what she wanted was because she was fucking crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, I have to interrupt our list. Oh, okay. Speaking of Kirk's ex-girlfriends. <laughs> we could go on all night about that. I know. But thanks to MeTV, the other night I saw an episode of Alfred Hitchcock. Not spooky at all. Um, And the the lead woman in this episode, I'm looking at her going, who is that? I know it's one of his ex-girlfriends. And boy, is she stupid. And she's playing, and I was going, it's not Ruth, but it's someone stupider than Ruth. She outstupids Ruth. (gasps) Um, It was the woman who plays Dr. Jan Wallace. Oh, yes, of course. The one who offers him a pity fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, And maybe it's the role (laughs) that she's playing. (laughs) This woman is a fucking idiot. But um, it was amazing. It just how inept and stupid and idiotic she was. Oh, gosh. So I'm not sure if it was the role or the actress, but I know I I never liked that actress based on her Star Trek. Yeah, she's not very good. It's not a good role, but she's also not very good in it. No, no. And she wasn't really good in this except Mm. at being really wide-eyed and and stupid Mm -hmm. and being told what to do by her lover. Anyway, so back to the list. Okay, back to the list. So let's see. Um, The next one, number four, is The Omega Glory, and I pretty much agree with that. (laughs) Okay, wait. Yeah, that's a ridiculous episode. <laughs> but it, too, has its redeeming factors, which is tons of Kirk fighting. Yes. And butt. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, well, uh, tons of Kirk fighting and him and getting plus some of, incredible shacking, but go um, ahead. him getting ripped and dirty while he's fighting. Yeah, yeah. So that that part of it, not just the fighting, but the ripped and dirty fighting. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I won't read the whole thing, but I like this. Uh, even on its best days, Star Trek can be a bit heavy-handed in its allegories. <laughs> really? But, but this 60-minute train wreck had all the subtlety of a photon torpedo to the gut. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Now, wait, is that the Yangs and the Kongs? Yes, yeah, yes, okay. <laughs> okay. And then this review concludes, oh, and Kirk actually saves the day by reciting the U.S. Pledge of Allegiance. No, it's not the Pledge of Allegiance. No, it's... Uh, it's we, the people. The people. It's the, in order the, the to form... The preamble to the Constitution. A more perfect... <laughs> The okay. Pledge of Allegiance, please. Uh, you know, I should I should see the comments on this to see how many people corrected him to okay. say, uh, I'm sorry, but it yes. was not. <laughs> this is a disaster. disaster. <laughs> it was not the Pledge of Allegiance. No, it doesn't. Oh, well, um, okay, there's probably too many comments to go through. Um, okay, number three, and the children shall lead. Yes, we agree with this. Yes. Uh, set aside the fact that this episode sees the Enterprise taken over by a gang of elementary school kids, it's also essentially a ghost story wherein the evil child-possessing demon Gorgon is defeated with home movies. It's, <laughs> as, if good. it's as if the scriptwriting team from Scooby-Doo tried to produce an episode of Tales of the Crypt, which would be bizarrely fun if it wasn't somehow wrapped in inanity and crammed into a science fiction show. <laughs> I love that. So that's good. Uh, okay, number two, The Way to Eden, otherwise known as the Space Hippie episode. No, those damn space hippies. Damn hippies. This gem wastes an hour taking glaring pot shots at 1960s counterculture in the most patronizing fashion possible. The Enterprise captures a group of, I'm not making this up, space hippies <laughs> looking for mythical planet Eden. Said space hippies managed to take over the Enterprise with the cunning use of a folk music sing-along. <laughs> They then divert the Enterprise into Romulan space to find the otherwise unexplained planet, which, when looking beautiful, is covered in poisonous plant life. Basically, Kirk and crew fail, but nonetheless succeed because the hippies are stupid, which again makes you wonder how they ever took over Kirk's ship. <laughs> so that's yeah, good. Yeah, okay, space hippies, no redeeming qualities to that episode whatsoever. No, no, totally not. And uh, um, speaking yes. of damn space hippies as you know there is a performance in san mm. francisco a live stage performance yes i know um, and unfortunately because of various things happening in my life i have not been able to get to see that but, um, but i believe our good friend sean is going <gasps> oh, and has awesome. promised a full report great that'll be perfect well we'll have to have that report in its entirety on this program because i yes, really want to yes. hear about it um okay and then number one is spock's brain of course um generally considered to be the worst episode of any Star Trek series ever, a title of disgrace that has endured despite later invention of both Star Trek Voyager and Enterprise. <laughs> so, um, let me see. Oh, I like this. Leonard Nimoy spends most of the episode playing Spock's disembrained body that Kirk and McCoy operate via remote-controlled earmuffs. <laughs> the thing is, I can watch that. Yeah. I can't watch those damn space hippies. Mm-hmm. Because there's just something about watching the actors struggle through it mm -hmm. 
and those funny little moments like oh, when yes. Kirk and McCoy fall down on the floor and their little heads are together. I know. And then the whole givers of pain and pleasure stuff. Uh, oh. Well, yeah. And the blowjob on the bridge. And yeah. Just, uh, you know, there's a lot of butliness in that episode, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, it's it's on our, our, our page. Yeah. <laughs> the opening butliness. The opening butliness. So I agree with you. You know, there is just a lot about that that yep. you can you can dive into um, but mm-hmm. I, I agree that in terms of maybe um, plot and um, I don't want to say believability but you know how, how well it stood up as a science fiction story yeah I think it's probably yeah. the worst well yeah I suppose but you know there are other episodes that could compete for three mm-hmm. through five like mm-hmm. I say the black and white ones yeah uh, City in the Clouds, whatever that one's called. The oh, Cloud right. Minders. Uh, the Cloud Minders. The Lee Merriweather one. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Although the monkey in the middle game in that is pretty <laughs> funny. I'm always hypnotized by that little patch of um, fabric that covers her belly button. <laughs> Since they couldn't show it because it's just so weird. It's just so sexy. <gasps> A navel. So, so listeners, if you have other nominations in for the top five that we haven't already discussed, please let us know if you'd like yes. to um, offer up some rationale for something that you think is as bad or badder than this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, leaving that aside, um, let's talk a little bit about Bill's new album. Yes, and you're going to have to do most of the talking because you scared me. <laughs> When you posted the one and said you hated it, and everybody else said they hated it, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And then you told me there are snippets, and I haven't gotten around to those. Okay. So I, I, have, I have been a bad butt girl. I haven't listened to a thing. Well, that's okay. Uh, they're very oh, and users, snippets. if you're hearing growling, I'm having to entertain the dog by playing tug-of-war <laughs> while podcasting. He is the podcasting dog. And I am multitasking. You so. are. You have to. It's okay. It adds another dimension <laughs> to the show. I think. That that certainly needs it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> please uh, continue. So okay. So over on Amazon, um, what you can do is go to the page where the album is offered for pre-order because it's being released on October 11th. So there ooh, you go. Ooh, okay. And you can buy an actual CD or you can just download it. And it's got, uh, let's see, 20 tracks, and you can listen to about 10 seconds of each track. So I went and I listened to all of them. Now, I had heard the Iron Man thing before, and i got to say, I really was not impressed by that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not that good. And I listened to clips of all these other ones, and some are good. Um, some are not so good. Some, I don't understand why they did it, because it doesn't sound like, like there's anything new to it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and... I am going to commit right now to saying there is one outstanding track from what I've heard. Now, this is only a 10-second clip from this. Right. But my vote for the best song on this album is Rocket Man. No. I was amazed when I heard it because I went, oh, no, here we go. And Bill's reading of the first couple of lines is amazing. It's so good. It's oh, like, oh, oh. So wow. I was kind of blown away by that. I don't know what the rest of the song sounds like, but the opening to it is fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So wouldn't that be a giant piece of irony if that turned out to be the best song on the whole That record? would be. That would be huge. You know, that would be the crux point of irony. <laughs> it would be. It would be the crux point all at once. 
So, I don't know. Of the others, you know what else was really good? Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> okay. Strangely enough, I was like, ooh, I kind of like this. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, okay. Then, well. I don't know. Like, the um, Spirit in the Sky, I love that song. I just yeah. don't think Bill really brought anything to it. And mm -hmm. She Blinded Me with Science was kind of a novelty hit anyway. So, uh, I'm not sure about that. Space Cowboy, eh. The Lyle Lovett song, I didn't like at all. I just didn't think that was very good. What one is that? It's called uh, In a Little While. Oh, okay. Uh, it just didn't sound good. And then the very last song is Planet Earth, which is an old, old Duran Duran song. I know Maynard will be very happy about that. <laughs> and um, that was kind of interesting, too. Hmm. So, I got to say, though, I, I feel like it's really lacking all of the personal stuff that has been had. Yeah. You know, it's an album of cover songs. And while I thought that Common People was like a fucking amazing cover song, mm -hmm. the rest of the album of Has Been was just so Bill. Everything about mm -hmm. it really was him being yes. honest and expressing it. And this doesn't feel like it. This really feels like a, a bunch of performances. Mm -hmm. and, and it's fun. I was worried about that from, from day one. Also because... I was actually disappointed when I heard the concept. Mm -hmm. It's like Bill Shatner plus outer space. Wow, what a what a new and not overdone idea. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not yeah. So it's not has been. It's not even close to has been. But I, I think it, there might be some interesting things on it. Um, of course, you have to hear the whole song to decide if it's mm -hmm. any good or not. Right. But I'm kind of putting my money on Rocket Man. Wow. Okay, now I'm I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Because you know I respect your opinion. Uh, well, you may you may disagree. We'll have to see. And I would love to know. What I can I can still respect your opinion though when I disagree with you. Okay, that's true. That's how uh, good your opinions are. <laughs> we always respect <laughs> each other. But I would like to know what other people think. Whether um, I'm being totally off the mark here, and if mm -hmm. I'm missing something about some of these other songs by by saying I don't like the way they sound. Um, it's such an interesting roster of of music and also people who worked on them mm -hmm. you know I, I just wow it's kind of crazy yeah um, i was just noticing that the mr spaceman song is being done by dave davies here well i just gotta say if bill does another album he is so i want to get away from the sexy thing but sexy's part of it but he is so wonderfully romantic and I want him to do an album of standards. Oh, God, that would be amazing. Um, I, 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 want, I want to hear Bill do one more for the road. Mm -hmm. um, I want to hear him do Angel Eyes. Mm -hmm. I want to hear him do Pretty Women. <laughs> I, I, I want, and I think he would make those deeply, deeply personal. Yeah. I completely agree. Because those I, are songs that you almost can't sing if you're not going to take them personally. Mm -hmm. That would be a stroke of genius, especially if he had the right producer who could mm -hmm. get him to do it right. And if, they, if the music was not also overproduced, right. which I think is a, a real problem with people who are recording standards these days. Oh, my it, God. They go wild with the strings. They do. It's just it's overkill, and you don't need that. You know, They, mm -hmm. they need to go back to kind of the way... Um, Frank was doing things where the production was professional and polished, but it was never overwhelming the vocals. Right, right, right. Well, because the vocals were the point. Yes. 
<sighs> so there you go. So October 11th is when the album's actually coming out, and I'm I'm sure we'll be getting copies of it so that we can listen to the whole thing. But yeah, I'm I'm not gonna get my hopes up and be you know I won't I'm not prepared to be blown away by. The right. way I was with Hasbin. Well, that was the the wonderful surprise about Hasbin. Remember, we were scared about that. Yeah, yeah. And boy, that was uh, that was such a a wonderful wonderful surprise at how great that was. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the um, the other songs on here is uh, "Lost in the Stars," and I got mm-hmm. thinking that um, wouldn't it be great? I mean, this is very esoteric, but if Bill did some um, Kurt Vile stuff, you know. <gasps> Yeah, that be good. That would be really good. I yeah, he could, he could really sink his teeth into something like that. Yeah, you know, September yeah. song or something. <gasps> uh, can you imagine? Oh, yeah. That would yeah. be so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, that that would also be my vote if he was going to continue to record records to do more stuff like that. And that's a little more, you know, those songs are more stage oriented anyway, and I think would suit mm-hmm. him really well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, so that's what I had to say about that. Well, good. Uh, let's see. What else is on the list? Um, oh, we can talk about this quickly, which okay. is um, Bill did uh, another little interview with his daughter, and he was talking about Star Trek versus Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I bet you can guess where he came down on that. Oh, gosh. I bet he's just a huge, huge <laughs> fan of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> He was careful, uh, or maybe he couldn't remember the names of any of the characters, <laughs> aside from Princess Leia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he pretty firmly came down upon the side of Star Trek and was saying, and you know, this is funny because I had just been listening to our last show where we were talking about um, what makes good science fiction, which is the characters mm-hmm. and the relationships between them. And that's kind of what he said about Star Trek, and he felt yeah. like that was lacking from Star Wars. That they just were not stories about people; that they were really more about special effects. And you know, I can I can kind of see that. Well, they kind of were story about people, but they were cartoon people. Yeah. They weren't real people having to make real hard decisions in the yeah. way that Trek did. Um, but he did conclude by saying that if Captain Kirk and Princess Leia were to run off together, that would be the perfect thing. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> Actually, what what started off was his daughter asking him, "Would you would you run away with Princess Leia?" And he said, "Oh yes, absolutely, I would." And then he amended that to say, "Captain Kirk and Princess Leia together." <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't say who's Princess Leia. No, apparently. What is she knew. princess of? <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't care. I know. <laughs> But he did put in a nice plug for J.J. Abrams by saying that uh, he thought that the new movies, because they combine, uh, you know, the characters relating to each other and good stories, plus the big special effects would actually, he said, what did he say? It was like, so there's, you know, Star Wars doesn't win on anything anymore because now the new movies do all of that. <laughs> Whoa, Bill! Uh, he was smiling as he said all this, so I don't well, think he course. was being totally serious about it. Well, he likes being a naughty boy. He does, and I'm sure that, you know, he was delighted to get some fanboy's panties in a twist about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Bill. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, let's take a little break, and okay. then uh, let's come back. We'll talk about a few more things, including some comic books. Okay. Space, the final frontier. Mm-hmm. 
These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We say it all the time, but I'll say it again. We love hearing from you. Blogging at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Comments to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. All right, next up on, the, on our hit parade tonight <laughs> is the, um, it's from the YouTube part of the intertubes. The YouTubes, okay. Yes, the YouTubes. And this is um, under the heading or the topic. The, the title sentence <laughs> is William Shatner interview gone wrong. Uh-oh. Oh, did someone die? No. <laughs> he didn't kill this, this is um, an, by the interviewer's name is a young college nerd named Conrad Quilty Harper. Is that really his name? Well, I'm thinking so because he deserves it. Oh, my goodness. That's a terrible name. And it says um, the description, and he he uh, uploaded it. Um, interview attempt with William Shatner gone wrong. This is from the Mahalo, let me hit show more, uh, daily episode at the L.A. Art Show. Okay. Okay. So here's this uh, this nerd and he talks to some other people going, are you enjoying the art show? You know, he's British. And then here comes, and he's going, I'm very excited. I'm hoping to get a few words with William Shatner. And then Bill and his wife, you know, come walking through the crowd. And Bill's in a nice-looking uh, dark, dark black leather jacket. And this jerk is so excited. I bet he wet his pants. And he goes, excuse me, Mr. Thatcher. Oh. May I ask you, do you mind answering a question? And Bill goes, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. And he's smiling, and then he keeps walking. Hmm. And, and that's like the end of the clip. Well, the comments are amazing because <laughs> it's, you know, there are two camps here. And one is Shatner is such a dick. And the other is what? You know, first of all, the guy called him by the wrong name. And secondly, he said, would you mind answering a few mm-hmm. questions? And Bill didn't say, get out of my face or punch him. He just said, yes, yes, I do mind. And, um, and moved, moved on. And then a couple of people point out, okay, you never ask in an interview, you never ask anybody a yes or no question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, anyway, <laughs> the comments are just, um, as far as I know, and I read a few hundred, um, nobody <laughs> said this is... Um, a disaster but um <laughs> well that was my question that was going to be my first question was did anybody say this is a disaster <laughs> well here's some of the ones i like who doesn't know shatner honestly you can even hate star trek and priceline and still not flub an actor's name <laughs> and the other one goes, bumble in intrude fuck his name up and want him to stop and validate you really and he is wrong <laughs> Man, that's great. <laughs> See, here's another one. So let's recap. One, mispronounce their name. 
too. Ask them what it is exactly. That they, oh, that these were um, these were tips. Ask them what they do for a living. So blah blah blah. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> um, it's just I don't know. I thought you might have have some input on this. Well, obviously, Bill's just. I mean, it wasn't like he was there at a press conference where he had to answer questions. He was there just attending a thing. And if he didn't want to answer questions, he didn't have to. And yeah, and uh, it's unclear to me if that was, you know, a Star Trek art show, a fan art show or what. But Bill was there. But here's the thing also. He's a, he's a big, big celebrity. He's mm-hmm. a huge persona. He does interviews all the time. Mm-hmm. It's part of his job. And, you know, they're scheduled. These people get on his schedule and they do phone calls to him while he's in his limo or they sit down with him or whatever. He's not going to give an interview to this guy who, first of all, yeah, just interrupts his day. But secondly, calls him by the wrong name mm-hmm. and, you know, has has no reason to be interviewing him as far as Bill knows. Right. Because Bill, Bill is there. To, to see whatever it is or to, to support something. I mean, who knows mm-hmm. what it is, right? He's not there to shill. He's not there to promote something. He's not there to make friends with journalists because he's been told to do so or asked to do so, I suppose. Oh, this guy is not a journalist. Yeah, exactly. That's stretch. what I mean. You know, he, he's not there to, you know, win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's there as William Shatner, you know, going out for a nice evening with his wife. And why should he have to answer questions? Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Ugh. Mr. Thatcher. Mr. Thatcher, and especially calling him by the wrong name. That's yeah. just yeah. insane. <laughs> oh, the things that Bill, Bill must have. You talking to me? <laughs> Are you talking to me? <laughs> oh, but you know, uh, the things that Bill must have to put up with, honestly, and, and still at this stage in his career, when he is a legend, a living legend, and he's mm-hmm. got, you know, layers of security around him, that this kind of thing still happens where people think they can just grab a part of his time for their own selfish reasons mm-hmm. and get pissed off when it doesn't happen. Well, yeah, and it's unclear to me because I did not read all of the comments, so I don't know if this guy who posted it ever replied to any of them. I don't know if he was pissed off mm. or, you know, because it just ends then. But or why if did he was he just it? disappointed, but. But that's the thing. Why did he post it if, if not to make Bill look bad? I don't know. So we could all see what a, what a dork he is. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that would be the other reason. And I kind of don't think that's why he posted it. Maybe not. I don't know. It's. <sighs> Especially, the more I think about it, the, I'm getting a little angrier about it now. Especially because Bill is 80 years old now, mm-hmm. you know? And he has a lot going on in his life. And probably his moments of leisure are few and far between. When, even when he's just doing something like this. And it would be like if he was sitting there eating dinner in a restaurant. Would you go over in the middle of the meal and be like, Oh, Mr. Shatner, can you answer a few... Mr. Thatcher, can you answer a few <laughs> questions? You know, like, that's just rude. That's just yeah. plain rude. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So on to our next um, topic. (laughs) The Chicago Tribune, because the new Superman movie is filming in and around Chicago, Uh big excitement. Uh Um, 
had a, a, an article on movies have code names now. Oh. Or maybe they always did. But part of it is, you know, they do this so that before people know it's actually the Superman movie, mm-hmm. they're calling it, you know, um, Autumn Harvest or something. And they go to these places and scout, and they want to set up deals with the, the local chamber of commerce or whatever to film there. And they always say, oh, what movie is it? Well, it's, it's Autumn Harvest. Mm-hmm. Because if they find out you're coming in to film Superman mm-hmm. or Batman 342, <laughs> you know, they're going to jack their price up. Of course. But what was interesting to me was the code name for Star Trek XI mm-hmm. was Corporate Headquarters. <laughs> Ooh, that's like a little too close to the bone. Really, I know, really, I know. Truly. I was going, okay, that does not bode well. <laughs> oh, so I'm going to start calling the new movie Corporate Headquarters 2. 2, I like that. Yeah. Corporate Headquarters 2, Revenge of the CEOs. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's Corporate Headquarters 2, The Wrath of Abrams. Because <laughs> anything 2 has to be the wrath of. Uh, yes, I, I completely agree. Um, mm-hmm. Just as a side note, I occasionally watch, um, there is this show called Mad TV, which is not Mad TV, like with the real people in it, it's mm-hmm. animation. And mm-hmm. like in Mad Magazine, they do parodies of movies, especially when they'll mash two movies together. And they did a parody of Super 8, and it was filled with lens flare. It made <laughs> me laugh so hard. Like in every scene, there was lens I flare. I thought Super 8 was so disappointing. There were things I liked about it, and there were things I didn't like about it. And the more I thought about the fact that there was only one woman pretty much in the whole movie, mm-hmm. the more, more disappointed I got about that. Um, speaking of the Tribune, yes, there was an article. I wish I'd saved it. I could probably look it up. I'll try to find it for you because I thought it was fascinating. It was talking about movies that fail the something test. I forget the it's name. It's the, the Bechdel test. I know all about that. Oh, yes. you do? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what what this was saying for our listeners, because I wasn't um, aware of this, was a movie fails the test if in the course of the movie, two female, or it passes the test, actually, yeah. if two female characters have an actual conversation that is not about men or clothes. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing you know, they were listing all these um, these Oscar-winning movies and these great movies and everything that totally failed the test. And then it listed some really, like, actually pretty bad movies that, that did pass the test. Yeah, it's amazing how many movies don't pass it. Um, I've Just because they only have one female yeah, character. Exactly. And I've heard a slight variation, which is that the two female, female characters have to have names. Oh. Because in many movies, they don't. It's just, you know, like woman, woman on the bus or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think in its original form, it was just conversation about men. The clothes thing wasn't in there. I think it was just about. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I misread it and threw in clothes on my own. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, most movies don't pass the test. And I actually was having lunch um, with our friend Logan and and some other folks. And we were talking about this in in context of the movie Thor, which I saw recently, Mm -hmm. which passes the test because there are two women who are scientists and they're talking about science. Science. Wow. Yeah, like astronomy and stuff. And I was like, yay, it passes the test. And yeah, they both have names and everything. So that was cool. Um, and someone, another woman at the table said, 
well, but what about movies that have really strong female characters? And I was like, well, that's fine, but this is just a test that a movie has to pass. And so she thought about it for a while and she said, but a movie like, I don't know, she said Erin Brockovich or something, mm-hmm. and, you know, female characters, but, you know, there's only really one strong female character in it and, and most of the rest of them are men because that's the way it is in real life. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that those movies are bad or that they're not good mm-hmm. role models. I'm just saying this is a test and most movies fail it. You know, I think Aaron Brockovich might actually pass the test. Okay, so it was some because, other Because, um, you know, the story is, um, you know, based on, on a, a true story mm-hmm, of this, mm-hmm. this woman who helped this town recover a lot of money because of the poisons that were in mm-hmm. their water supply. Mm-hmm. And so she interviews a number of families about, you know, how, how it has affected them and, the, you know, their children mm-hmm. sick or dying or them. And I'm sure that, in fact, I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure that some of those interviews take place mm-hmm. with women. Okay. So they're not talking about their husbands or boyfriends as love interests. They're talking about health Right. And what's right and mm-hmm. corporate responsibility. Yeah, big issues. Yeah. Definitely big issues. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, another movie that would pass the test would be Silkwood, which has yes. two women who spend a lot of time talking about many mm-hmm. other things other than men. But um, but most movies just don't pass it. And it's amazing because it's such a low bar, right? Oh, it is. It's like one of the lowest bars you could possibly set. It and, really is. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. And I know some people who won't go see a movie that doesn't pass that test. Oh, my God. They must almost never, ever, ever go to the movies. Then. <laughs> exactly. It, it's very hard to go see a movie that actually does that. And um, I'm pretty sure that, that the most recent Star Trek movie doesn't pass that test. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I'm trying I would to have think to... of something recently that might pass it because I go to the movies. Yeah. You know. Well, like I said, Thor did, and I was delighted, you know, and mm-hmm. I've got it in my mind now so that when I'm watching a movie, I'm kind of looking for it, and when it does, I'm like, yay, it passed the test. Yeah. <laughs> now, I just saw Contagion, uh-huh. and there are a number of female characters in it, you know, who are, are scientists and doctors. But do they talk to each other? That's what I'm trying to think. It's like there's one strong female character per situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of. And the the two I'm thinking of that you know, uh, they never even meet up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this often happens. Yeah. Uh. Huh. So, um, Gone with the Wind passes that test. Yes. Because when they're not um, mooning about Ashley, <laughs> um, Scarlet and some of the other female characters do talk about the Civil War and Tara and the estate mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 And it, and there's also really a pretty good number of female characters in that who are actual characters. Right. Yes. Not scenery. Yeah. So, listeners, you should pay attention to that. You know, we should, if we think about it, we should see how many Star Trek episodes pass that test. Because I'm pretty sure there's a couple that do. Really? Yeah, I think there must be a couple that do. Okay, so what are these episodes you think pass the test? Well, I'm trying to think of episodes where where it's been a female guest star who's had a conversation with either Chapel or Uhura that wasn't about um, Kirk. Okay, but it, it, this is the other thing is you have to define actual conversation because okay. like in Turnabout Intruder, mm-hmm. um, Chapel brings in the medicine to 
Kirk, who's a woman at that point. Right. No, that's still Kirk. Right, right. So that that doesn't count. Okay. I'm yeah, really that gonna doesn't have to, count. I'm gonna have to think really hard about this. So yeah. don't hold me to it. I could be totally wrong. I know. I you know offhand. Boy. Listeners, if you think you know an episode that passes the test, let us know. Yeah, and even in the movies, I mean, Savick never has a conversation with Uhura. Mm-mm. Nope, and Carol Marcus doesn't talk to anybody but Kirk. And David. And David, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> All right, well, let's, let's keep that going. Let's have that be something we come back to. Yes. Um, now, you wanted to talk about Gold Star. Oh, yes. What's up with that? Okay, Gold Star. For those of you who don't know, um, Gold Star is this online service where you can get discount tickets and a lot of uh, different, not just uh, theaters, but, you know, events going on, sports games, sports games. God, do I sound stupid. (laughs) But there's a lot of different events. You can get very cheap tickets, sometimes even free. Because, you know, they're not selling particularly well. And some of them are, are, you know, turn out to be great things. And it's in various cities. I used to, you know, get Gold Star stuff when I lived in or near San Francisco and now in Chicago. You know, I'm always checking that out to see what's there that I can go to for cheap. And one of the things that was up for cheap like a week or maybe a little more ago was cheap tickets to the Chicago Star Trek convention. <gasps> really? Which was being held in, you know, East Bumfuck, Illinois, you know, <laughs> East, probably out by one of the airports or something. And the the big guest was Leonard. Oh. And I'm going, when the big guest is Bill, you can't, those tickets are getting scalped. Really? Wow, that's very interesting. I had no idea that they sold those kind of tickets. Well, this is the first I have ever seen of it. Oh, wow. That is very, very interesting. Yes. Mm, Okay. All right. Good to keep in mind. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that for around here in case something comes up. Okay. Now, listeners, if you're hearing sniffing, Jack is right in my face. Aw. (laughs) Jack. Wow. That's cool. Wow. All right, let us move on to our last item on the big list of stuff because there's a a couple of things here that are pretty juicy. So um, I recently came into possession, and now you have it too, of an electronic copy of a comic book. What is this comic book, you might ask? What's it called and what's it about? Well, it's called Star Trek, and it's being published by IDW, which is one of the smaller independent um, publishers, and it's... Featuring the new cast, so Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and the other seven dwarves that are in there. What is the plot of this comic book, you might ask? Hmm, let's see. If I was going to put out a comic book that was about the new cast of Star Trek in a comic book, new adventures, unlimited possibilities, new characters, what would I choose for the plot of this comic book? Out of all the possible plots in the world, Maybe I would choose an old Star Trek script. The first old Star Star Trek Trek script. (laughs) And maybe I would just lift the dialogue wholesale and have the artist draw in the new guys instead of the old guys. And maybe (laughs) I would just bring in some characters from that script (laughs) and have them shove the other characters off the bridge. And plus I'd hire an artist who doesn't know what anybody looks like. 
Yeah, exactly. So that would be a pretty quick way of scripting a comic book. Probably the fastest way of scripting a comic book that I could think of because you don't have to come up with anything yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I could not uh, Plus, this as the writer, shit. you would want to make sure that you don't really understand the original story anyway. <laughs> yes, this is true. And also that, and that you way you can't be accused of plagiarizing. And that you don't really understand the relationships between the characters either. Right, right. I just could not believe this. Oh, wait, there's one other thing. Uh-huh. Be sure to lift a really unique shot right out of that episode. <laughs> it's so bad. This is one of the worst things that I have ever read. I, I was just sitting there, and, and it was like I had suddenly turned into, like, some some old man as I'm reading it because on every page it's like, oh, oh, oy vey. Oh, well, I I was not making those sounds, but I was pretty much open mouth through the whole thing. Oh, can you believe that they sell this to people as entertainment? It, it just it's astonishing. Yeah, it's really astonishing. So for those, so that's it. I mean, there there is no more plot. <laughs> It's just basically where no man has gone before. Yeah. And they stick in Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, and that's it. There's nothing else that's different about it, and it ends in exactly the same way, amazingly enough. Well, no, there is something that's different about it. Okay. Well, first of all, for at least a brief few moments, Chekhov and Sulu are there. Okay, that's true. That's true. Um, Uhura is there, who was not there. Right, and she gets to have her hands blown up on the console. That's yeah. pretty much what happens to her. And... I didn't understand the panel where they explained why Dr. Daner was no longer there. Oh, let's see. I'll have to find it. Um, uh, it was something about she uh, rescinded her transfer. Yeah. And I was going, I don't Okay, this is the military in a few hundred years, so maybe, you know, it's, it's more pick your assignment than it is now. So she's not there. Right. And plus, they threw in this thing, which actually is an interesting idea of Spock mind-melding. Yes, that's With true. Gary Mitchell and saying, first of all, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. But secondly, what is there is evil. Right. And that, if that's true, then Kirk really doesn't have that tough a decision. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Um, so... Yes, those are the new things, and I forgot to mention that it ends, this particular issue ends right before they're going to go drop him off on Delta Vega. Yes. But I can't imagine they're going to change the ending. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it kind of has to end the way it is. Um, so that was, yes, that was an interesting twist, but the thing that is ridiculous is that um, <laughs> in the episode, and, and I, you and I have talked about this so many times, and I I just feel like it's so crucial to the way that episode played out dramatically is that because William Shatner and Gary Lockwood were good actors in the short And don't give a shit who knows it. And don't give a shit who knows it. You really get the feeling that they were friends and that mm -hmm. they care about each other and that Kirk really does have a hard decision to make because they'd known each other like forever. And that is why it's so heartbreaking what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's because the actors really carry that. Because you can say it in the script, but unless the actors believe it and make you believe it, it doesn't matter. And in a comic book, there is nothing 
to show that they're friends or that Kirk cares about Mitchell. You know, it's there. The words are there on the page. Yeah. But there's nothing to actually back it up. So it's meaningless. And, and, and like you said, the fact now they add on this extra layer to make it even less of a hard decision for Kirk. It's like, well, who cares? Why don't they just phaser him right now? Nobody cares yeah, about him. Yeah, yeah. Also, they're wearing um, the TOS uniforms. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. Um, and the uh, the interior is sort of a weird mix of what was in the movie and in mm-hmm. the original track, too. Oh, and who's the thing Scotty's talking to in the opening panels? I have no idea. Okay, it's not that little, you know, um, teddy bear thing, Ewok or whatever no, it was. I don't think um, so. Which is fine, but this is, I guess, like some other alien crew member mm-hmm. who we never saw before. Yeah. Um, I will say that they stayed true to the way Star Trek is usually done in comic books and that they had Chekhov um, saying the word that spelled K-E-P-T-I-N. <laughs> Captain. Captain. That's one of my favorite things in fan fiction, too. It's to phonetically write Chekhov. <laughs> so that made me laugh, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing that, that takes us into the realm of the unknowable, but anyway. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite realm. <laughs> so when we were talking with Lockwood, yeah. remember he told us, that he would not give permission to Paramount to use his likeness for a toy. I thought about that. But he's in this comic book, but it doesn't really look like Gary Lockwood most of the time. Yeah, well, maybe they deliberately chose an inept artist. I think they did, or I think they gave him instruction to not make it look like Gary Lockwood so that he didn't sue them, because if he really didn't give them permission, I don't think they could use his likeness. Mm Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of scenes where it does kind of look like him, but mostly I don't think it looks like him. Right, right. And it's certainly, I mean, another failing of the comic book, which was so good in the, in the show, was that Lockwood really made that character, all, all of the bad things that came out in him once he'd been affected by what the whatever it was, you saw that in his behavior pre-being zapped by the beam. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just an exaggeration of the person he already was. Right, right. Because of the way he walked and the way he talked and the way he acted on the bridge and all those things. And the way he regarded things. other people. Yep. It was all know? in the character to start with. Yes, and you, that, you don't that get arrogance. That. Yeah, it, there's none of that in here. So you have no idea why he suddenly turned into an evil being. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Yep. Yeah, that was a <sighs> shocker. And I'm really glad that when you sent it to me, you didn't tell me anything about it. You just said, you know, you need to look at this. We're going to talk about it. And I was like, whoa. Um, Are they w- really, really doing this? Yeah, crazy. So I'm going to post- Why didn't they just reissue that great photo novel that I had? <laughs> it would have been it's better. It's already got the dialogue in, in bubbles and, yes. um, and you know, use, using lots of bold face and italic. It would have been so much more entertaining, really, yeah. truly. But um, do you have it open? Are you looking at it right now? The photo novel? No, 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 the, the comic book. Oh, <laughs> no, but I can, I can get it. Well, I want to uh, call your attention to the very last page and okay, one panel good. in particular because I'm going to use this as the, um, the image to go with the, the notes for this show. Yeah. Okay, it's, I've got it now. Okay, it's the second panel down from the top. Uh-huh. Like, did did Captain Kirk suddenly get Davy Jones' eyebrows right there? And um, Jerry Seinfeld's mouth. <laughs> yes. It's so bad. Who 
drew that? It doesn't. That picture doesn't look like anybody. But you know who it looks exactly like? <laughs> the guy in the last panel, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be Mitchell. It's so bad. It's it's terrible. It's mm-hmm. just plain bad. So and you know, in the third panel, doesn't Spock look like he's just not looking at dialogue? Doesn't he look like he's just been told to go stand in the corner? He does. And plus, he has no background. So he's just kind of floating there in space. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where he's supposed to be exactly. But yeah, that, that thing of Kirk is just awful. You're right. He does have Jerry Seinfeld's mouth and David <laughs> Jones' eyebrows. <laughs> Wow, so if Davy Jones and Jerry Seinfeld had a love child, it would look just like he that. would be captain of the Enterprise. So, listeners, make sure you take a look at the blog after you listen to this, and you can <laughs> see exactly what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Because you're not going to get that anywhere else. <laughs> oh, my God. So, speaking of comic books, so, th- so that, was, that was the ridiculous, the stupid, the uh, I can't believe that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. But this, this is so much better. Um this was some news that was announced at Comic-Con during the summer, uh, but and the comic hasn't come out yet. I'm very excited to get this, but it's another IDW thing, and uh, I'll just read you the little press release for it. It's the crossover of crossovers with the heroes of the 23rd century teaming up with the superheroes of the 30th century. It's IDW Publishing's first ever crossover with the DC Universe. It is Star Trek and Legion of the Superheroes, a six-issue monthly series that will launch in October. Oh, man. Okay, so now, is the Legion of Superheroes, is that Saturn Girl? Yeah, yeah. And, And those, oh, boy. So if you is Bouncing the, Boy in it? I don't know. The cover <laughs> has the crew of the Enterprise. There's Kirk, and it's it's Shatner, you know, or yeah. original real Kirk. And behind him is Cosmic Boy in the middle. And then there's Saturn Girl to um, the left, and then Lightning Boy to the far left. And on okay. the right, it's Chameleon Boy. And I'm not sure who that is. Oh, I um, thought that was the name of the hero. <laughs> I'm no. not sure who that is, I'm boy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Super innocuous kid. Um, uh, I don't know which legionnaire that's supposed to be. <laughs> okay, uh, you know what I want them to do after this six-month series? I know what I want them to do, so you tell me. Okay, I want there to be a sequel series uh-huh. of um, the alternate Star Trek, which is the Chris Pine one, uh-huh. meets up with the alternate or the Legion of Alternate Superheroes. The substitute heroes. Yes, the second stringers. They should have their own comic book, too. Yes. And it should not be as good as the first one. I completely agree. As soon <laughs> as I saw that, that was my very first one. Really? Like, has to be the Legion of the Substitute Heroes. They have to do that. <laughs> I think that would be brilliant. God, oh we are God. so on the same wavelength. I can't wait till this comic comes out because it's going to be hilariously bad, I think. Or it might be really funny. I mean, they might kind of take a lighthearted attitude towards it and actually make mm-hmm. it sort of amusing, which would be great. I would love that. So do you think they could do a crossover of um, Star Trek, but mostly Captain Kirk meets... Um, those goofy teenage romance comic books that I loved when I was like 10 years old, where I got the Murph, Murph phrase yeah, from, that Murph, the Murph comics, that Kirk meets awesome. Murph. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Um, here, so I want to Or call Millie the model. <laughs> yeah, Kirk meets Millie the model. That would be good. Um, 
I want to know why in this picture on the front cover, Uhura is standing on her tiptoes. To like, look tall. Who who drew those heels on her boots? They're like <laughs> like fetish boots. They're so high. Well, look at her. She's balanced on her tippy toes. It's kind of weird. Um, okay, speaking of fetishes, I got to tell you this. It has nothing to do with anything except you and I like to talk about sex. Okay, cool. Um, as you know, or maybe have guessed, I follow, you know, all the audition listings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I check them on Craigslist, and I've actually gotten some acting jobs that way, and legitimate ones. But as with anything Craigslist, you have to be very careful about the stuff that's not so legitimate. Oh, of course, yeah. Of course. Well, there was one today. <laughs> that wanted um, actors and actresses, um, amateurs, and the word amateur is spelled wrong, <laughs> no experience necessary, comfortable with nudity, <laughs> and here's the final one that just, <laughs> this was the cherry on the Sunday for me. Drug free is a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the bar being set low. Oh, oh that's terrible. Oh. That is, for me, a first. I have never seen an audition listing that drug, that even mentioned whether or not you do drugs. Drug-free, a plus. Not required, <laughs> just a plus. Oh, oh goodness, goodness it's, gracious me! So they want—they are okay with junky amateur porn actors, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, that's crazy. That is really, really crazy. Now we can go back to Uhura's high heels. <laughs> okay, well, I, I was kind of done with that, but what I did want to talk about. Um, yes was the fact that, okay, so one of the reasons that I always loved the Legion is that there are so many women in the Legion. Mm -hmm. And I've talked before about how awesome Saturn Girl is, that she's totally kick-ass, and she was, in fact, like president of the Legion for a while. And yes. It was, was just awesome. She was totally awesome. And the other women did a lot of stuff, too. They were full Legion members. They mm -hmm. didn't stay behind, and they didn't do the cooking and anything like that. Or they were coffee. Legionnaires. So... Given that there were almost an equal number of, of women as men in the Legion, this gives Kirk amazing opportunities. <gasps> You're right. So I wanted to just quickly go through the list of all the women um, and see if we agreed that he would do all of them and maybe which one he would like the most. Okay, wait, which one is an ex-girlfriend? Which one's name is Super Janice? Yeah, Super Janice. Well, actually, one of them is named Jan, I think. Oh, God, well. Uh, maybe I've got that wrong, but I'll have to look. Um, but uh, now I, I want to emphasize that um, in the Legion, we're talking about all these, these women are actually over 18 because the original <laughs> conception for the Legion was that they were like teenagers. Yes. And I, I think, you know, that's not okay, but they're over 18. Okay. So, first there's Saturn Girl. Yes, and she, I remember Saturn Girl, and I haven't read these since I was probably 12 or 13, but I remember her. Yeah, so she was awesome. Now, I think Kirk might not want a relationship with her because she does have the power of telepathy, and she could always read his mind. I don't think he would Ooh, like that very much. Yeah. But, you know, he'd still he'd sleep with her. Um, and then there's Triplicate Girl, and I think he would like her very much. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much. Is the third one a little faded? 
<laughs> like carbon copies. copies. <laughs> well, she did lose one after a while, and then she became Duo Damsel. So um... <laughs> I do remember this. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. He'd like her, but he'd like Triple Cut Girl better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so let's see. Then there was Phantom Girl, and her superpower was, you know, intangibility. Like, she could pass through walls and stuff. She could be solid when she wanted to be, but she Okay, could that's be... important. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that might be kind of interesting. That might be fun. Um, let's see. Uh, Supergirl was in the Legion for a while. And I yeah. Think, you know, he'd enjoy that for sure. Mm-hmm. There was Shrinking Violet. So she could shrink down to microscopic size. <laughs> she could be regular size when she wants to? When she wants to be, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay. Um, then there was Lightning Lass. That was the sister of Lightning Lad. And, yeah, and but I didn't she later become Light Lass? That's right. So she became Light Lass later on. I think he would like Lightning Lass a little bit better. Yeah. Because, you know, electricity and mm-hmm. tingly stuff and all that. Yeah. Um, then there was Dream Girl. You know, her, her superpower was precognition. And, oh, I uh, thought she was, you know, from that Broadway show. <laughs> I'm no. your dream girl. No? no, especially because she's very, very white and she has white hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think he would really be into her superpower, the precognition thing. He doesn't want to know what's going to happen. He just That's wants to true. Go. That's true. Um, now there's Princess Projectra. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. She could generate I'm illusions. glad I didn't have any drink in my mouth. <laughs> She generates illusions, and I think he might dig that. Now, we talked about the holodeck. That's not what I was thinking she did. (laughs) (laughs) She creates illusions, and he might dig that because then they could be in any environment. But, you know. So she's like a holodeck. She's She's like like a walking holodeck. But, but, you know, I think that's the difference is that, you know, it would be she'd be creating it for the two of them to be in the environment rather than having to go into a stupid box and program in what you need to do. Okay. Okay. Then there's Shadow Lass. Um, I remember who can, her. Who can make shadows. And I think that actually shadow might be. Shadow puppets? <laughs> that I might mean, be the what kind of superpower is shadow puppets? I don't know. Um, there's a Pokemon called Shuppet that's a shadow <laughs> puppet. I just learned that today. Um Anyway, Shadow Lash, she can make shadows, and she's cool because she's... I can make shadows. (laughs) Big ones, ones that cover half the planet. Um, Oh, okay. But but see, here's the thing. If If I put on a few more pounds, I can make a shadow. (laughs) On the cover of that comic book, the woman who's all the way on the right with the blue skin and the pointy ears, that's Shadow Lass. Oh, okay. So, see, I think Kirk would like her because she's blue-skinned and she's got pointy ears. Yeah. That would be good. That would be good, yeah. So, those are the classic legions, legionnaires. Okay. Now, I'm flipping over to the Legion of Substitute here <laughs> uh, because there are fewer women in here, but one of them is Night Girl, and Night Girl is awesome. Night Girl has superpowers when it's dark outside. That's why she's called Night Girl. And her costume is like this Emma Peel number with uh-huh. these great little boots. And she's got all this beautiful black hair that she piles up on top of her head. She is so hot looking. I think Kirk would be in love Oh, with yeah. Her. Oh, Plus, yeah. she's got superpowers at night when it's dark. When it's important, yeah. When it's important, yeah. So imagine Kirk with all these, these women with superpowers. Yeah. I think yeah. he'd be so happy. I really yeah. do. 
But I don't think that's going to be in the comic book, unfortunately. <laughs> well, it will be up to you and I to supply that oh, subtext. Oh, that's true. See, there, there's the fan fiction. There it is writing <laughs> itself, pretty much. Hey, have you checked to see if there already is Star Trek Legion of Superheroes fan fiction? <laughs> no, I guess I should check right now. Well, yeah, and, you know, if there isn't, we may have to reunite the Patriots against communism. Oh, my God. Let's see. What happens if I type in Kirk Saturn Girl? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm not seeing anything right now. Oh, there's a void in the there's fan fiction world. How can that be? How can, how can there not be fan fiction already of something Well, I we already have of. the love child of Davy Jones and Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld. I thought that it was kind of a rule or a law, even, that as soon as you thought of something, there would already be fan fiction about it. <laughs> That's so, too. Hmm. Oh, Let's dear. See. I don't know. Well, now you're going to have to stay up all night and write a Kirk Saturn Girl story <laughs> for me. <laughs> I think or, I or, 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 or write Night Girl if you want. I think I would actually rather, just for fun, write the Kirk Triplicate Girl one, because <laughs> that would be fun. Okay. Whichever one. That, that'll be cool. Oh, my goodness. That is something to look forward to. So we have coming up Bill's album, Bill's book, mm-hmm. and this comic book mashup. Oh, that should be funny. Oh, here we go. Oh, look at this. See? It's here already. What? Hold on a second. This is in TV Tropes, which is a good place to get lost. <laughs> you can spend forever there. Uh-huh. Uh, hold on. Oops. Sorry. I'm finding this on Google. Okay. Oh. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just reading it wrong. Oh, you built oh, up no, my house. Oh, no, I was reading it wrong. Sorry. Uh, um, superheroes versus the Starship Enterprise. This is at the Straight Dope. And there's mm. a discussion about it. Uh, so there is some discussion about um, the other crossovers that they've had, which we've talked about in the show before, that there was an X-Men crossover. Yes. Uh, and that but wasn't that weird. with the TNG people? Yes, that was with TNG. Yeah. So I'm trying to find... Somebody mentioned Triplicate Girl here. Let's see. Uh, someone says, I also think that the Legion of Superheroes could stop Ripshirt Kirk without doing anything. When he sees all those <laughs> barely-dressed babes, his mind will implode trying to think of which one to seduce first. <laughs> If we use the most recent continuity, Triplicate Girl could destroy Kirk all by herself. He sees her, she splits. Kirk envisions the permutations and dies of acute blood t- transfer to his nethers. <laughs> his nethers. <laughs> so someone has thought of this. They just haven't gone that extra step to write the fanfic. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a dirty job. Oh, I just thought of something else. Yes? Wrong with the, the Gary Mitchell comic. <laughs> Oh, really? You know, we could spend all night talking about that. I know, that. but this one just occurred to me. The reason Dr. Daner mm-hmm. um, withdrew her transfer, or whatever it is she did, was because she was a, a an ex-girlfriend of McCoy? Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of icky. Well, in this in this new universe, everybody gets some except Kirk? <laughs> That doesn't make any sense at all. I know, but that's why they should mash them up with the Legion of of Substitute Superheroes, because this is the Legion of Substitute Star Trek. They are. I totally agree. Wouldn't that be great? It would be like... It's it's no pussy quirk. It would be like the two second string teams going up together. (laughs) Yeah. 
The Stuper Bowl. The Stuper Bowl, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Well, this, yeah, this brings up a lot of possibilities. Well, as always. So, who is the the superhero in the Legion that um, Kirk will be slashed with? Oh boy. Well, um, probably. Well, I don't know. I guess it could be Cosmic Boy. He's sort of the leader. Yeah. Him and, and Lightning. He's ladder, the Mike Nesmith of that. He is. Um, but there is also the possibility of Chameleon Boy, who can you know transform himself into anything. Right. And I think Kirk might appreciate the possibilities there. Yeah. Which one will make Spock the most jealous? <laughs> uh, huh. Probably Chameleon Boy. Which one will make Kirk weep unshed tears? <laughs> From his lion eyes. <laughs> uh, I always think about that. I think about that so, so often. It's crazy how it just sticks in your head. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, anyway, all right, listen, I think we should wrap this up. I think so, too, but thank you so much for sharing that. And listeners, we really want to hear your thoughts on these many, many possibilities that, many uh, possibilities, that this yes. opens up. Yeah. And, you know, not only is there a whole thing of fan fiction, but there could also be, you know, if they were still making Star Trek porn, that would be just endless. You could do so much of <laughs> yes. that. Yes. Wow. You know who's going to make these into episodes? It's going to be the, um, the, the, the New Voyages people, Elvis yeah. and Eric Kirk. That they're going to pick up on this and they're going to be like, yeah, the Elvis we don't have to write scripts anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All oh right, boy. listeners, we've given you a ton of homework for this show, so please <laughs> write in, let us know your thoughts on all of these things. And That's tell us, right. Tell us who you think Kirk should be hooking up with in the Legion, definitely. And Sean and anybody else who goes to uh, the damn Space Hippies, mm -hmm. we want to hear from you. We want to know all about that. Yes, we want to report. And yeah. uh, keep sending us notices for other things that are happening in the world. Oh, and I did want to mention um, on a totally unrelated subject that uh, we are going to have a little shop at Etsy. Where we're going to oh, be right, right, right. some of our Trek crap and some uh, zines and some tribbles that were made by yours truly. Because I have an awful lot of them and they're kind of starting to get out of hand with the multiplying. So <laughs> uh -oh. uh, I think I need to sell a few of them. So, oh um, my God, so when I visit you, my bed's going to be full of tribbles. It might be, yeah, oh, if we dear. don't sell some. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'll put the link up when it's, it's up and running. I just got the shop together and I need to start posting pictures and descriptions. What's the so. name of our shop? But um, girls Trek crap? I think it's called Trek crap, yeah. <laughs> or something like that, yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, good listeners, thanks for listening to us blather. And uh, we'll be back next time with even more. And Jack says bye-bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Bye.